This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. Bad timing. <laughs> what is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Take me to motherhood. <laughs> Get me out of here. Me, I'm turning the mics on now, and then it goes. <sighs> this is a good ERSI, yeah. man. It fucking hurt, man. It's the goddamn must, mics were on. It must be the. It must be post limb time. It's hot outside. Oh, it's, I'm dragging today. Oh, You're from Florida. It's not like this. So. It's not like this in Florida. It's not, sweaty. not like this. It's sweaty here. It's just tiring yeah yeah that's going outside makes you just want to faint there's 117 that doesn't happen in florida no in florida you just kind of sweat also you, you, you were outside for the duration of walking to the car and then from the car to the house that's hot you're gonna be okay you sometimes you're feeling eepy <laughs> eepy I'm, 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 i need some sleep sleepy <laughs> eepy sleepy feeling eepy Oh Listen, man, I that was just real, that was honestly that was not intended, but it was some pretty good timing. Now that you think about it, <laughs> your definition of good <sighs> is very up for debate. Tell it to the orange cat; he's leaving us. He is leaving us. No. When's, when's his last day? Uh, his think, last day. I think next week. My last day with him is Wednesday. Uh, Mister Chauncey, you gonna miss me? We need a new podcat. Podcat. Do we though? I think we do. Here's the thing: if I got a kitten. I would want to take him home, introduce him to the dogs, get the dogs and the cat comfortable around one another, and then the cat would just live there. So we wouldn't have a pod cat. It's true. But I don't see any world where... But, we would, but we would bring the pod cat to the podcast. No, we wouldn't. So we uh, need two cats? Well, two I, cats. I just don't see a world. <laughs> the reason why Chauncey is here is because he's an asshole who does not get along with Gatsby, and he tries to shred his face. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Why did you do that? Chauncey's a gangster. Why so, did you do that, orange cat? So I don't see a world where we would just have a cat living at the office when, you know. You could have a house. home. Yeah, you could have a home home. Yeah, I think we should. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what this is implying. I think, uh, I think we do have to get a cat. Yeah. I have decided that, well. Give I'm, us dust back. Wow. No, she's, she's going to stay with Ebony. It's probably better. Yep, we all knew that was coming from day one, buddy. I mean, I kind of knew, knew it too, but like, the I second was okay. Ebony got her, her hands on that cat, she was hers. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I thought that that was what was going to happen with Chauncey. Then Marley came back. Oh, is it like once, you, once the cat came here, he was yeah, ours? Yeah, she was across the ocean, man. It's like, yeah, he's just going to kind of be ours. Marley would pay a ridiculous amount of her net worth for this cat. We, we, are, we have discussed this. This is yeah. true. I mean, I don't blame her, but at the same time, there's... There's a price to keep him here. He's a good cat. Yeah, so he jumps on you now. Yeah, he's always jumped on me. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, I've known him since he was a baby. Wow. He jumped on me then, he jumps on me now. How old is he now? Mm, five? Four? Five? How old are you, Chauncey? Ask him, yeah. <laughs> Tell the audience. <laughs> Chauncey, how many animals have you killed in your So time? many. <laughs> so many, man. He just kills for tribute. He doesn't even want to do anything. Isn't that like a classic cat thing? Yeah. Like they kill things. Kind of show That's you. why Marley's so attached is because he's brought her so many dead animals. He's convinced that she, she is like uh, his leader. A vulture. <laughs> you know? 
I would find it problematic if a, if an animal kept retrieving other animals for me. Bro, when the birds would fly in the house, it would always be a. Yeah, few. hasn't Gatsby brought you a few pigeons? No, I mean he's eliminated a few. Eliminated. <laughs> the, the, the last time he was feeling spry, a bird flew in. Uh, I have pocket doors, so like the doors just open fully, and a bird mistaked my house for you know a cave or whatever and flew in. And Gatsby just snatched the fucker right out of midair. Jesus. Eliminated it. Yeah, those days are over for Mr. Gatsby. Yeah, mm. I don't think he could get up on it. No. He tried yeah. to get up and his legs didn't move. An old boy. He's yeah. not even that old. He just got really old in the last few months. I think it's because I can't exercise him. Like, it's so hot out. Uh, yet, or two days ago. He knows. I think it's because he's 13. 12. <laughs> Uh, Twelve. It depends not, who you ask. That's not that old. Uh, two <laughs> not days that old, ago, that's I pretty old. Uh, he's a bit old. That's pretty old. Six to one, seven to one. But they one. they live fourteen, fifteen. Um, but a few days ago, I tried to take him on a morning walk. I hadn't taken him all summer because it's too hot. But I woke up at like seven a.m. So I, I take him, and usually we do a mile. Mm -hmm. But I was like, ah, he hasn't gone in a while. You know, he's gonna be a little a lot of shape, and it's still ninety plus. So we'll just do a quarter mile. We got like three way three quarters of the way through, and he is just. Done. I mean, the level of panting was just one where I was getting concerned. I was like, "All right, buddy, let's uh, let's hang up the walking shoes for the rest yeah. of the summer. Let's hang it up, hang up the sticks." Hot on their paws. Oh, it wasn't that it was hot? He was just wiped. Yeah, couldn't yeah, breathe. That's how we feel. That's how that's how Lana feels right now. Yeah, walking he's making it well to... known. It's like he can't even attempt to hide it. You know, look, I'm not going to lie to the audience. I mean, you're, you're the kid who like goes out of his way in class whenever he's feeling a little bit mopey or sleepy <laughs> to like, not just, not just like get through and have a day, but like he has to be head down, sprawled out, uh -huh. you know? So I guess yesterday was 117, which hottest tied, day ever hide the record of yeah. Hottest day ever in Vegas, which is surprising to me. I feel like they've had hotter days. I mean, 117 is pretty hot, but What's, what's surprising is it went from actually pretty cool, not cool, but it was hasn't been that hot, dude. Ju uh, June was week. awesome. Yeah, June was great. We didn't even have a day above a hundred. Three hundred days is, without a hundred degree yeah, temperatures, which is then, very boom. very unusual. And you knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. Like Landon wasn't was sure, but it, it was coming. Landon, it was hundred and ten no degrees fury. days for a week straight, two weeks straight. I mean, it'll go away pretty soon, right? No, no, no. What do you mean? No, no. Like well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, maybe in October. Really? It's just gonna be a hundred degrees every day until like into September. Is that how this was last year? Yeah, yeah. September something was our last hundred degree day. Speaking of September, we have an academy. We do have an academy. Wow. Excellent. Good Don't job. Don't do it. Why? Wow. Good job. Uh, we have an academy memorial weekend, September first to the third. If you guys are interested in that, you can head to academy.solveforwhy.io. It's going to be the more traditional format where we teach in the morning. You guys play in the afternoon on an RFID table. We'll be doing commentary in the back, highlighting the things that you get right, the things that you get wrong, and pointing you in direction for better study materials moving forward. So head to academy.solveforwide.io. Seats are filling fast. 18 total people are going to be coming for that one. So be on the lookout for uh, that selling out. Okay, I have to ask, is it just part of the show now every time someone has a good segue to acknowledge a good segue? Yes. Yeah, for, for the time being at least. At some point we'll get over it. And well, be like, you shouldn't do it when I do it because it's my job, but whenever you guys do it, it's like a real 
additional bonus. Mm-hmm. And especially when LaManna does it because, like, he loves nothing more than a good plug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I do. He kind of lives for it, you know? There'll be a new... Uh, there'll be a new uh, Poker Out Loud coming out today as well. I think episode 12. It's not up yet, it's but the it, last it will be up. Episode it is the last season. episode of the season. There yes. you go. Wow. Yeah. So On Second wow. Thought will be following in yeah. a couple of weeks. You can go to solveyy.io. <laughs> sign up for a free trial. LeMans Watch the on. whole season. That's right. Uh, I'm... I'm out of here Wednesday, so Wednesday will be my last show this week. Uh, we're going to put in a full week this week, but then next week we're actually going to be dark, give everybody a little bit of a breather after a very, very long summer. <laughs> um, but don't worry. We're going to have content uploaded every day. We are going to put out season two of Poker Out Loud from behind the paywall to uh-huh. YouTube. So for all of you loyal subscribers and members, we appreciate you. We're going to put that season up for entertainment You'll get purposes. to see how Berkey used to play poker before he looked at a solve. Man, 20... <laughs> 2018 it was dark it was dark times i fucked chin so good in this season oh man i got him good oh that's the fist bump it was was the kelly minkin season oh okay nice which is glorious yeah i love the kelly minkin season yeah she she was she was pure entertainment I, I told Pigtails, I was like, uh, can you guys just put a bumper on the beginning that says this was filmed in 2018 for entertainment purposes only? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Matt, what season yeah. was it when you played, um, I forget his name, who's the guy from Poker Detox? Uh, Nick Howard. <laughs> Nick Howard. What season was that? He played a bunch. He played. Oh, like, yeah. It was one hand in particular. Ship it in and go to bed. That one. The, yeah, the Queen Jack of Hearts. No one will ever forget that one. Ship what season in. was that? Right, the first one. Okay. Ship oh, wait, was it the first bed. one? Yeah, I think it was the first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's great. That that was a that was a very special hand for sure. Everybody <laughs> thought it was rigged. <laughs> right. Yeah. I gotta be honest. When I first saw it too, I was like, eh. a lot of people. I mean, yeah, Nick Cole called a three bet with like ten eight off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had no draw. He just had like a backdoor straight draw. Ten eight off. It came like, uh, it came. I think it came jack high. No, it came like six high, two hearts. I think I don't remember. I don't fucking remember. I had something. You had a queen. Yeah, but I can't remember if it was a turn queen or a flop queen. I think it was a flop queen. I think it was like queen. You made a pair against four. Nick Howard. You didn't fold. Yeah, I think it was like queen five four, and I I bet or uh, Christian <laughs> Christian led small. I raised small, and Nick cold called, and I was like, he's pretending he has sets, but what he actually has is backdoors. I'm sure of this. Yeah, <laughs> and the turn was like an offsuit nine or something like that i was like i'm gonna check to him and he's gonna bet and i'm gonna jam and that's exactly what happened and then you said put that in your database (laughs) man yeah there's some there's some fun hands in that it works worse than most people yeah detox data shows it i mean yeah it just wins a lot (laughs) yeah but that certainly wasn't what was happening there we were just like playing deep and fucking around the problem is is that uh, it was framed as this is what our strategy actually looks like. Yeah. And in some regards it was because we were just brain solving in real time, but not in a way of what is corrected equilibrium in this situation based off of my own logic, but more so like, uh, I know that he knows that I know that he knows, right? Like Here we are. Wow. Yeah. Like we were just fucking around. Christian's got the nine four. Okay. We're in. <laughs> actually, let, let's look at this. Ah, it is queen five four. Wow, look at that table. Do we have audio or no? No, do you want some? No, that's okay. Let Landon dissect Nick it. Nick just has the, the backdoor straight draw. He does have the backdoor straight draw. He's 10-8 off, right? He is 10-8 off. Yeah. I love the commentary of this, to be fair. He's just, uh, he's flatted the open with a 10-8 off. I mean, Christian, why are we, le- what are we doing? Oh, no, baby. <laughs> 
Why? <laughs> Why? Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Just let it run with the audio. Alright. Monkey Wrench, what my plan was, uh, Nick's been playing quite volatile, and this board texture should nail his flatting range. Uh, he's going to have a lot of 6-7 suited, 7-8 suited, 5-6 suited, um, some suited aces with back doors. Basically a lot of available equity for him to have c-bet, nines, eights, sevens, things that he wasn't really going to check back when checked to that I would be able to get in a very layup check raise against. With Christian leading now, um, we have very little concerns. Sure, he has pocket fives and fours. Uh, he also has five, four, maybe even the offsuit combinations. Um, with that being said, given my backdoor equity, uh, considering a raise here, I don't really think anything bad can happen. Um, but along the same lines, if I just flat, yeah, I don't like it as much because I can't raise really on the three of hearts, four of hearts, six of hearts, seven of hearts, or eight of hearts. And those are really important cards for me to be able to press my equity with. I don't want to just shift to realization. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue here through a raise, treating this as just being top of range. Couple of interesting things going on here. I really don't think Chin leads out big. He's got a pretty wide range peeling from the big blind and he's got two aggressive players behind him that are probably gonna be stabbing pretty often at this pot. At the same time, I really don't think Matt Ray's is strong with me behind him and probably perceiving Chin weak. So I actually think they're both relatively weak and I'm gonna to try to pull off a pretty insane maneuver which is to basically float naked and I think it's a spot not a lot of players would be able to balance bluffs and for that reason, I think my range construction is gonna be quite effective for what I'm trying to do. At least my perceived range construction. So I'm just gonna flat. All right, whatever you want to I see why we get trolled for this. <laughs> Honestly, like, five years later, this is so bad. Yeah. And it's, it's so all cringy. Bad. It's all bad. I mean, it's all bad, obviously. It's but all it's, bad, but you won the best of the worst. No, no, no. It's not that. It's it's that there's so much miscategorizing what's what's taking place. Like I think everything that's being said is truthful <clears throat> to the time period, but so much of it's like miscategorizing. Like uh, I'm I'm my range was so wide that I viewed top pair as being the top. And to be fair, like equity wise, it's it is in the upper threshold. Yeah, it is in the upper threshold, but like. There's a big difference here between aces and queen jack. Yeah. Yes. And in my mind, at the time, there just wasn't. You're just like kings. Yeah, but it's just like good hands. Yeah. Get it, it in. And like also the the notion back then, uh, specifically like, uh, I guess I would say like around our group, was that you wanted to have initiative. You didn't want to you didn't want to be bluff catching a lot, and that was fair to the time because people just didn't bluff enough. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know which what isn't I mean? fair in this environment particularly. Yeah, probably not. Um, but yes, principally it makes sense. Right, so it's like we're all coming from, with the exception of Nick, we're all coming from a live environment where nobody bluffed nearly enough. Yeah. And whenever you got into a game where people were trying really hard, you would have hands like this pop up yeah. where it becomes this clash of just a leveling war. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly a rare hand for rare people. But <laughs> besides that, it's not like anything anyone said was wrong. It's just some things aren't necessary. Well, like this whole hand is unnecessary. If you just turn this into an entertainment hand, like this is just for funsies. Yes. This hand is fantastic. 
This is this is what everybody who plays kitchen poker thinks the game is. This is a scene out of Rounders. Versus like not, not to over sure. dramatize versus it. Versus like aggressive friends or whatever, where it's like, oh, I know my friends are trying to bluff me here, so I'm gonna raise. And then when he calls, like, I know he says he has this, but he's actually gonna have. Which worse. is more importantly, when you're playing more for pride than money, uh, this is the underlying foundation for for how you're compiling your strategy. You know what I mean? Like that's why I'm comparing it to like a rounders type scenario, right? Oh, this is where you raise him and then he jams on you. Yeah. Here's the thing, <laughs> with that bet in my call, there's gonna be about 1,400 in the pot and I'm gonna have 16 or 1,700 behind, so about pot. Um, the clarity on the river is actually insanely poor. So it's really difficult for me to go call call on a six, seven, eight, or three. I don't really think he's necessarily going to bluff a 10 jack, queen, king, or ace. Uh, also the ace could fulfill some of his hands like ace six of hearts, ace four of hearts. Um, so I'm actually going to check raise. I'm definitely going to check raise. I'm just trying to determine if I'm shoving or making it more of a bluff heavy size. So I think if I make it 750 here with 1200 behind, he'll think he has fold equity with, uh, with both his equitable hands and his, his nothingness. And I just realized I'm actually deeper than I thought. Uh, so I actually have like 2700 here. So I'm gonna make a more standard check raise size to a thousand. I think Matt's check raise makes very little sense um, without a very tight range of hands. I did pick up a gutter. Um, by betting small, I sort of opened myself up to this. It started out as an insane maneuver to begin with, and versus one of the only players at the table who I think is capable of playing a check raise bluff range here, I think it's just time to ship it in and go to bed. Um, if Matt wakes up with a set here, more power to him. I think it's a really unorthodox, unconventional way for him to play a set, and he deserves to get paid if he did do that. Uh, I think it's a very strange way to play an overpair with the type of range that I'm required. We definitely to need to get charts that say ship it in and, and go to bed. Um, with how this get a little, went, get a nice the range is pretty tight. I think yeah. raising an overpair would be an overplay unless he thought I was about to do something that I'm about to do. So <laughs> I'm all in. All in. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Jai. <laughs> She's just like, oh, normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Where's the six? Uh, who cares what the outcome is at this point? Yeah. You got, you got your wish. The six is for TV value. Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit? Honestly, like, uh, this, what this, a hand. this is still so much of what goes on at live poker like i i mean i just got done playing i don't know like 400 hours of 100 100 100 200 and there are a lot of hands like this where one person is putting in way too many big blinds <laughs> either with a bad bluffing candidate that they like the getting to the turn with hands that you're just not supposed to and then fucking around is so high in live poker 
the floating with a backdoor in yeah, a like the, three the or almost four bet zero pot. equity turning into very small equity and then going for it. it yeah, it, it's just it's the floating with a <laughs> backdoor in a three or four bet pot when the SPR isn't nearly as high as it needs to be in order to float, and then you turn that backdoor, and now all of a sudden you decide that you have a good bluffing candidate because what else are you going to do? And the other person is kind of in tune to it, and they're just shoveling money in with one pair. <laughs> It's like, this isn't that far of a reach from what actually is going on in live and why win rates are so incredibly high. But nothing about that hand is good theoretical poker. No. right? It's literally just good psychological warfare, if that makes sense. And, <sighs> and me being at all wrong, like if Nick just shows up with a set there, uh, everything that he said just suddenly becomes very true. I just put in way too much money with one weak pair. Mm -hmm. I had a flush draw. Yeah, but like for how many big blinds went in there? Too many. <laughs> we got in like we got in like two hundred big blinds on yeah. the turn. Played five ten. <clears throat> yeah, six k pot. So it ends up being a, a six hundred big blind pot with one pair versus no pair. Uh, he had a gutter. He had he three did. outs. <laughs> he literally had three outs, and he had he was dead on the flop. So it's just like that in, and and that's going to kind of carry us into uh, rap or or I guess bringing back in the the final two tables in the main event. So much of this overvaluing, undervaluing different portions of your range, like just due to a lack of the the hierarchical high, hierarchical whatever sure understanding right. of like how a range <clears throat> is hierarchy. Yeah, the hierarchy <laughs> of how ranges is can is composed. Um, people just get lost. Too much of it feels like the middle. You know what I mean? Or too much of it feels like the top or bottom because of the notion of protection. So I think that we saw the... I've never seen a final table, a main event final table go from nine to six so fast as yesterday. And it wasn't like there was this weird distribution of stacks where, uh, you know, three people had all the chips and six people were super short. Right. It was pretty well distributed. You know, Walton came in with the chip lead. He had like 100 bigs, I believe. Rocket man. Toby came in last in chips and had 15. Um, the Italian farmer was right behind him with like 16 or 17, something like that. And then everybody else was like, you know, pretty middle of the pack. 28-ish, mm -hmm. 30-ish, 40-ish, somewhere. A lot. It's a lot of big blinds yeah. that went in really fucking quickly. And to be fair, you know, we saw some collisions. We saw some big hands. We actually saw some uh, people escape big hands where aces didn't go broke versus a set of tens. Ace king didn't lose a massive pot versus a set of jacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Toby somehow got away from ace queen off versus aces off of 20 big blinds for two big blinds. Mm -hmm. I mean, he played that hand really well. And I actually thought Weinman played it really well too, trapping. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but Toby opened off of. Under the gun, or under the gun one, maybe? <clears throat> he yeah. opened uh, early. He opened early ish, <clears throat> but he was still the short stack. Mm -hmm. So he had sub 20, yeah. opens early ish, obviously has a good hand, uh, but he's going to have raised folds. And Wyman's next act with aces and just flats. And I think it's like pretty good given the distribution of stacks behind him and the fact that Walton hasn't put chips in the pot yet. Yeah. Right? Like that squeeze can just come through. Uh, at a reasonable rate. Also, the other short stack was still yet to act behind, who actually picked up ace-jack and didn't jam. Good on him. Um, to go broke there, come six high, and, and Toby just has a check fold. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty confident he would just fold it to the, to the Wyman three bet. And I believe we saw that later where Toby got aces 
Walton opened. Toby three bet the aces, and Walton just folds king queen off. Um, so yeah, there was like a lot of collisions taking place, but there was a lot of money going in without, you know, the nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby played. Toby came in to win. He can't, he definitely came in to win. He, he definitely to win. as a yeah. ninth place chip stack. He definitely <clears throat> came in to win. Right. He wasn't trying to get. What he ended up getting seventh, but, right? But rejam King Jack, right. uh, big blind versus button. Mm-hmm. Obviously busted rejamming King Jack for like twenty ish, twenty five ish, I think twenty five ish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, which was a pretty unique spot. I I contend that if Walton didn't flat the button, Toby probably just calls out of the big blind mm-hmm. uh, off that stack. But the issue was that I think Jones opened, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's who busted him. Yeah. Uh, Walton calls the the button, and the thing is, is that they're both one and two in chips, but Walton has position and is heavily incentivized to three bet. Yeah, just you know, and does a lot, right? And also just does a lot. So it's not like he's protected much in his calling range there. It's not like he's missing three bets. Yeah, like he's probably overdoing. Right, there's probably not an ace queen in that range or an ace jack that dominates Toby as Mm -hmm. often as it should. Yeah, yeah. So. When those hands are three betting themselves at such a high frequency, it's really easy for Toby to think that those two big blinds are just stone dead in the middle. Right. And now all of a sudden that overlay on the pot is like pretty good proposition to be jamming versus mm-hmm. cutoff button. It's right. like if that in that spot, if button's flatting eights, now this hand needs to call, which it might just not. Right. It's very terrifying to have a hand like eights here when you can just be pair dominated. Exactly. Exactly. And that the very like it. Yeah. If Toby, has, to if Toby has tens, he's obviously like. High five jamming. Yeah, of course. If he has sixes, it's flat probably. maybe probably just calling, right? Yeah. Although, I don't know. I mean, he did jam King Jack, so maybe he is just kind of playing to win here and, and it's a weird for one. chips. Yeah. It's a, high cards are normally I'd good rather, after rather, a raise call. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. you rather jam the King Jack than the sixes? I think so. Run into bigger pairs I mean, like, lot. you'd rather jam, like... You'd rather jam... Yeah, with the flat, you definitely want to jam high cards, but yeah. you want to be suited dense because you want to like be able to just have extra equity to make a flush. Mm-hmm. But then if, like, Walton opens, you want to be jamming, like, deuces. Because, yeah. like, you unblock a lot of the raised folds. If he, It's like if Walton's opening from button, right? Yeah, yeah. He's going to have, like, queen three suited. Yeah. He's going to have, like, king yeah. seven off, right? Yeah, so yeah. deuces just do so well getting those to fold. And mm-hmm. then if you get called, you're most of the time going to flip. Mm-hmm. And if you get, like, pair dominated, it feels bad. But welcome to, welcome yeah. to gambling. I, I thought that that was uh, a pretty unfortunate way for him to bust. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen if Walton folds pretty probably because like, yeah. you have less incentive to jam king jack up right 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 um but i mean you know it's it's wild like how different things will will look once you give a range less protected cards than there should be yeah like you just go really really hard yeah, uh, yeah. i feel like you do very very subtle things of like having people fold too much versus three bet you can kind of do but any two from the big line it's, right. it's crazy yeah uh, so like if you just think that range is more dead than it is then the jam becomes Agreed. good but at the same time from like the machine sense it's like error this is more of a chips jam blunder yeah uh, where it's probably icm losing, icm bad and losing chips, some chips it's close to uh and the thing is is like it's tough to in the moment to to really recognize like what the easiest path is to win because like if toby just wins that flip he's kind of in a pole position here where he gets fold fold yeah yeah or fold fold but he's in a really good position he's 75 million if he wins it. he has 75 million his position on both jones and, mm-hmm. and walton so the whole yeah, dynamic has, of the he has wyman to his left which yeah. is annoying 
Um, but you know, he's in a really good spot and this this final table was pretty wreck heavy. You know, uh, we were looking at how tough last year's final table was and how slow the pace of play was, how long it took to get down to three. <clears throat> Who was at, that FT last year? It was Matsu, Attenborough, Espen, Duzak. Yep. Um, there was a most of, like, I guess, the Rocketman. Diaz was in there. Lefty was in there. No, he didn't make the final table. Didn't make the no, final table. Final no, he bubbled it. Uh, Asher no, bubbled the, it. The, uh, well, Asher got 10. Yeah, he, he ran was, into quads. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> No, the the uh, man, who's the guy who was just putting everybody in a blender on day seven or eight or whatever with like two tables left? Uh, I can't remember if he was Russian or Ukrainian or something like that, but he was just mashing last year. Uh, anyway, uh, doesn't matter. Very pro heavy final table last yeah. year. Was it like, Dobrich? Dobrich, yeah. yeah. Uh, almost everybody was was a pro last year and a good pro nonetheless. I think. Was Lacoco at last year's final table? Or was no, that the year he wasn't. Before? It was Espen, Adrian, Mike, Michael Dweck, John Eames, Dobrich, oh, Jeffrey Eames. Farms, Aaron Eames. Duzak, Philip Suki, Matsu, Asher Conniff. Yeah, I forgot about Eames. Yeah. That's who I lost heads up to in my only, uh, my only circuit, my only live circuit attempt at winning a ring. Yeah, so like yeah. most people on this list of 10 were rags. Yeah, for sure. Where this year, uh, I'm sure these guys all play poker, you know, a lot, but... It's it's a it's far less pro heavy. The three pros made the final three. Toby would have been the fourth, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess <clears throat> I imagine actually that like Holzer and uh, Maseris are are professionals as well. <clears throat> but you know, Holzner was introduced as a farmer, and yeah. Maseris's big claim to fame was that Viet Cong was his dad. Mm-hmm. So it's like if, if he took anything away from him, which by his bust out hand, it looks like he's been studying under the tutelage <laughs> of Viet Cong. That King Nine, right. uh, King Nine off was Viet was a Kong bit loose. is a Rocket Man. He was he was a big time Rocket. Has man. anybody ever seen Viet Kong? Uh, who was I just talking <laughs> to? Uh, there, there's a reg at the Bellagio that says like, yeah, he he knows them all very well. Okay, because I was gonna them. say, um, Juan is 39. Why he might just been on his dad's account? Maybe. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. He might just or be the Viet Cong. He could be Viet Cong. Just be Viet Cong. Also, he could be. I don't know, man. Like he was doing some wild shit back then. Like he's just a legend. And, and he, he was. He was like a giga whale that that just like had this sun run for a yearish or so. Listen, man. Sheets was on here telling us like Berkey back in the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> no shot. Me and Viet Cong, people, people used to accuse me of being Viet Cong all the time. I, all the time. I got it. I, I see now. I, was, I, see. I was the only one who was like exclusively implementing a limping strategy and Viet Cong. It was just the two of us. Yep. This is uh, for tournaments? Yeah. Okay. I remember talking to Brent about this in like 2010 whenever uh, when I was playing like really regularly. I was like, yeah, man, I'm just going to build a strategy. I'm just going to like look at the game and say, what do fish do? And then I'm going to do what they do, only try to do it strategically well. Yeah, limping. And it worked. It worked so well. It was like limp and use big sizes. Yeah. And it just mashed for like, you know, a couple of years. It was a parlor trick, but nobody knew theory. So like anything different than the field stood a chance. Yeah. To to kind of put people in the cage because everybody would conform, you know, eventually like things would always just settle where everybody's range would kind of mirror one another they would tend Jai, to be. Jai was like a master of that. Well, yeah, no pun intended. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he really was. He would like find these like 
weird exploits and then just press them and then just crush Right, people. like nobody three bets the small <laughs> blind, so I'm going to three bet like 30% yeah, from yeah. the small blind, and it'll just get too much credit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. A lot of things like that. Like nobody opens under the gun, so under the gun becomes the new button. Man, poker's interesting because it kind of is moving to... People didn't be as aggressive as they needed to. No, Where it was now so people are being way more aggressive than they need to. Way more so, and we saw a little bit of that in the final table played play down yesterday. But I mean, it's it's sporadic aggression, right? Like I, I listed off six or seven hands where people were basically at the top of range and didn't go broke versus a better hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then sometimes people <laughs> just like rock command in like the jacket. Yeah, it was wild. They, they just like had. They were like, I see I'm aware, and then just like suddenly weren't. At some time, they're just like, okay, I. Is it part of the I need to win? Like sometimes people just like get in this mood of like, I need this hand. I think people. Like yeah. momentum hand. There, yes, there, I think there people were no want poor momentum. people at the final table. That's the problem. <laughs> I, well, they I, all became richer <laughs> at the final table. So I do think people like have a desire to have some level of momentum. Was it? Was it? Uh, Jackman that jammed the Jack Eight. It was Ruslan. Oh, Ruslan. Okay, yeah. So this hand was like four or five hands, I think. It just went like raise call, and he just squeezed jams thirty with Jack Eight offsuit. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm talking about the button open. He jammed twenty versus oh, okay, button maybe, open. Sorry, maybe it was yeah. that one. Then. Button open. He jammed twenty with Jack Eight O, and it's like what? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I like think he played you might so right. he played so like reasonable for so long. Yeah, it's like at some point people just try to literally. It's like the I tried to make a move. Right. This is a very real thing. Right. Like you don't expect these hands to exist. I will say I thought, uh, you know, people were giving him a lot of shit, but I thought, uh, was it Huizer or Huizer? Uh, I, I can't remember. Holzner. 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 That's Holzner. Apple Farmer. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. So I thought he played, I, I thought people were giving him a lot of shit for playing conservative, but I thought he actually played the short stack really well. The only difference being that, like, maybe I, I go broke in his spot with aces. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, he did face a small blind flat from Jackman where it's like, if I look Jackman in the face and it comes 10 high and he's willing to put a bunch of chips in, am I really just giving this guy queens? You know? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. I mean, queens wouldn't exist. Sure. Right. He's just going to like go with it pre. Yeah. The guy, uh, not, not to put Jackman in a box, but like Yachtman. that profile, Jackman, whatever. Yachtman. That That profile type, there's a certain subset of hands that you just know that they don't trap with because they want to protect. Yeah, there was a hand where someone, I think it was Yaman Cole, called a three bet. Yeah. And it was like, we were all looking at each other like, this is just nines, tens, jacks. Always, always. yeah. Mm-hmm. And always. it just was one of those three hands. Yeah, exactly. It was tens. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like the same thing where, you know, you open aces as the shorty and then Yachman calls the small blind and it just comes like 10-8 high. It's like, well, it's not jacks plus. So I'm just targeting what king, king 10, 10 queen 10, 10 ace 10 how happy is he to call the small blind with those hands when i open off of 16 eh. too too happy probably i don't think in, they're probably in there i bet they're not yeah. i saw queen 10 folding a, a queen 10 suited folding a lot yesterday yeah. to small small queen opens love queen 10 suited. even the suited varieties yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw not the offsuit variety. i saw wyman fold it when toby opened well like what i would say is it, they did he did seem like rel- relatively aware of positions from opening or like if someone opens cut off you'd be more likely to flat the offsuit what if you're opening from under the gun seven or low jack he's yeah but more. i mean uh, positionally aware is but stack awareness is is what it really comes down to right like oh, sure if it's wyman in the small blind he 100 percent i think plays three streets with aces 
Just always, because like Wyman's gonna have a very intact range. Ten nine, king ten. Yeah, I mean we saw 10. we saw Wyman double up. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but uh, with queen ten suited versus kings, kings or Holds aces. Right, kings yeah. actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check yeah. back the turn. Yes, exactly. Right. So uh, against the proper opponent, you just—he's always. Gonna, I think he just played really well, to be quite honest, yeah. and and kind of just ran into some shit luck to get ninth. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, also ran pretty good final two tables. I think had like six bigs. At well, that would always be the case. You yeah. know, you know how it goes. I mean, it's crazy. Same thing with, uh, you know, I, I think Wyman's a big favorite right now to win this whole thing. Spiking a jack, and he drills a jack that's probably. I said in the moment that that jack was worth seven figures. It might be worth eight. <laughs> it might be, yeah. It it's might, like a $4 million jack, wow. man. It might be a $10 million jack yeah, when it's all said and done. Crazy. You know? In the moment, it's probably yeah. like $4 million. Wild. Just absolutely wild to actually see someone cash in a one-time. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how much money all of this is for, and you just kind of have to accept it. Well, that was the other thing is like, you know, we talk so much about the payout structures and them playing down to this massive heads-up match and everything else. And I think that the play was a little bit reflective of how not steep the jumps were. Right. You know, uh, third or fourth place got what three million? Yeah. Right. Fourth place got three million. Okay, so yeah. Third place gets four. Okay, so the gap between ninth place and third place now is two point one million. The gap between fourth place and third place is one and a half million between third and first it's eight right <laughs> right so it's like we kind of saw play reflective of the fact of like uh, it doesn't really matter yeah. where i finish between ninth and fourth right, right. and then we're i like, have to get top three and that's reflective of how like how toby played and you said yeah. he was going for the win because he he understood that for sure yeah i mean this whole hand seems like a little bit of a disaster as well um, well just the queen's calling off I Everything mean, else. Jack seems Jack, close. Does Jack you said it's close, but like yeah. it's similar to the Brewer hand earlier this summer when he won the 250k, where it's like you're just gonna roll between non all in and all in. And in this particular spot, like first of all, Wyman's not rolling anything. Neither would I. So you just default to the to the standard play, which is to jam. The non all in is not the higher frequency oh, play. Shit. What? The non all in is not the higher. It's frequency not about, play. You don't four bet all in. I'm talking about folding pre. After open, I don't think I that's think a high frequency. Play I think it's either. much closer than you think it is. Anyways, um, hi Orange Cat. After like low jack open button three bet, but yeah, Queen's calling here is disaster. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Me. I don't think the button is playing so tight that that three bet range is like just uber nutted. Eh, I mean, sure. Uh, the button doesn't three bet tens. Button doesn't three it bet doesn't ace call queen. Off. It's not about calling. Well, see, the, the issue is like the risk you, premium you, you have here for chips. Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, you're not jamming Jaxo to get called. Well, that's you're, why you're not cold foring Jax in the first place. You're just okay if you get called. I'm being attacked by this cat right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the orange cat feels, and he has Jax in the small block. Ow! He bit me. Yeah. <laughs> you. You're. What cat bites? You're really playing the role of Patsy right now. In that he just wants to play. I know. And you just want to disrupt the podcast with the cat playing on your There's lap. There's nothing I can do about it, man. <laughs> not I yelp? I can't <laughs> yelp. How am I not supposed to yelp when he just bit me? Uh. <laughs> he wants to bite He's the microphone. He's um, a lover and a biter. But yeah, I, I think that'll be an exciting three-handed match. Oh, I don't really know what to expect, to be honest. They're so deep. Mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, the third place has 88 bigs. Uh, it's still 1-2. One two. It's one million, two million, and the shortest stack has eighty-eight. He only has eighty-eight big lines. Like they have no. That's not deep. the shortest stack. 
I think they're all over. They're all over. Like I think. Oh yeah, maybe. I thought thought third stack was eighty-eight. Was like eighty-eight. Third was literally eighty-eight big. Oh, maybe I thought they were all over two hundred million. Someone has like one sixty-six. Walton, yeah, one sixty-five, one ninety-nine, and two thirty-eight. Okay, Walton has one sixty-five. Walton has one sixty-five. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. So, okay, so the the short stack is ninety big blinds. Basically, everybody (laughs) else is over a hundred. Yeah. No, we have never seen anything like we have. The Greg Merson, Jesse Sylvia. Oh, okay. We being the old people. But, but the thing was, <laughs> and it was not alive. The thing was, is it was Jesse and, and Greggy that had all the chips. And uh, was it, what was the kid in third place? God, this is twice I forgot his name now. And I looked it up. I've looked it up many times since then. And every time I go, oh, this. yeah. And now I forgot again. But anyway, uh, he was short. He had like 25 blinds. Well, Greggy and, and Jesse had like 150 each. Yeah. So it was this long waiting game to bust the short stack. Um, with all three of them being this deep, I could see a world. <laughs> I could see a world where they play like fewer than 100 hands. Oh, for sure. And it I just mean, ends. Wow. Yeah, they can just put a bunch of chips in the pot. Because like, that's what happens at depth, right? Like you just get to raise and three bet accordingly i mean i guess i am not i'm not really sure how the icm model works whenever they're the this steep of jumps and everybody's this close in stack depth right right because like usually what you would see is nobody really wants to put uh jacob balzinger balzinger yes thank you balzinger. uh usually what you would want to see is like a lot of caution pre so not a lot of three betting a lot of flatting you know, uh, yeah. open on the button, flatting out of position, stuff like that, not really going for it. But at this depth, you can really press. You know, you, you, you don't want to be out of position with super deep SPRs, and the button's going to get the VPIP pretty much anything that he wants. So it's, it's going to be a war of attrition to some degree where we start to see the play, especially I'm not sure how much these three are studied in ICM. You know what I mean? Like, Wyman's a really smart dude. He's been professional forever, but like, uh, I don't think that like he's out there on the grind on uh, well, Hold'em resources. Most people aren't really studying three-handed ninety bigs minimum. Exactly, like ICM poker, just because most final tables on online tournaments. Although is like I will say, 30, he's 20, a computer 20. scientist. Who knows what he's doing? Well, he's an engineer, but yeah, I will say that I think he's most likely to have like gone home and run a bunch of. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying running. I'm just saying running stuff like this is very tough. Yeah, yeah, because like that's true. stack depth is so deep. That's where true. Most things that you look at for final tables like. Chip at bigs. this point has like 40 yeah. bigs. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. 40, 20, 20, right, and you just right. go really hard. Yeah. yeah, You just have a lot of open jams where you're not open jamming 90. Right. I think Walton's going to be so much fun to watch because like he's just a live cash guy, yeah. and uh, this is going to feel like his element. But the truth is that underlying there is a lot of fucking ICM pressure yeah. that he just might ignore. Playing big pots is scary. Right. When and it's 4 million. He's a big pot player, man. It's four, <laughs> it, it, what is it? 4 million, 6.5, 12.1? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... I think he just goes for the win. Yeah. I truly think that, like, he's going to be out here just looking to play big pots, gamble his way. Uh, there was a hand that he played against um, uh, Maceris that fucked Maceris. And I was... I was Is this the ace-king one? No. Uh, Maceris had ace-three of hearts. And oh, yeah, yeah. He seven, had eight. eight-seven suited. And I was saying... Uh, I was, like, commentating on it while I was playing at the Bellagio. I said, this is, this is what's scary about a guy like Adam where variance is often going to dictate where he finishes, but along the way he's either going to make or break people 
in the process. Because what ends up happening is he put in way too many fucking chips with third pair. Just way too many chips, right? But it was the best hand. So he double barrels in a spot where he should have checked one of the two streets, most likely, and got called by worse because Maceres floated with ace high, picked up the backdoor draw, now faces a massive barrel, and the guy's only holding third pair. Would fold to a jam, but you can't know that in real time. You think that you're up against a more appropriate polarized range, right? So he just peels, and then the river ends up giving Walton two pair. He misses his flush draw. He has to check fold, but he lost 15 big blinds in the process. Turn barrel seems kind of cool. Like you block the two pair improves, maybe river sneak trips two pair from Walton. Yeah. And then like he ended up making backdoor two pair. Which yeah, he ended easier. up backdoor yeah. two pair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, look, I, I'm not super confident that the line is is not great. Sure. I just know from an ICM standpoint, whenever stacks are this close, you're not really looking to just blast. No, you're not trying to play for an all-in pot. Right. Especially with, like, you know, these hands that have showdown value. Uh, with fear hands. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're hands that, like... <laughs> They're hands that like are very happy to just not put a chip in, go to showdown, table them, and win. But the alternative is that they're right on that cusp of like, well, if I am going to put chips in the middle, then they can just shift to a bluff really easily. Yeah. Right? And I think that that was... I think that's always his mindset. How do I win the hand? Is that if I'm not at top, then I'm at bottom. And I'm just going to go for it and try to win the hand. And that's scary as an opponent... Because he's going to put you... He's just going to put in chips too loosely. Yeah, he went for it with the double barrel with sixes on the 10-7-5 turn king board. Yeah. Where Wyman opened, he flatted and then checked to him. He bet-bet. And then River checked back and gave up with the sixes. That, that's such a prototypical live line. 10-7-5 king-king. Of just like, I'm going to put in two streets of heavy... I'm going to front load my aggression and put in two heavy streets, and if they call me twice, they must be at top of range, I'm just going to quit. Which he was, and then top of range became scary when King right. pairs. If he jams river, it gets through. Well, yeah, of course, because like Walton's just going to have the king-queen that right. just barrels. Right, but he can't know that because Wyman's just going to float ace-king. He's just going to float and have like... And well, just he's just also probably going to flat with a lot of sets as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if he has like top if set Walton of tens. has like five, six there for the bottom set block, it's a lot cleaner. Sure. And it feels way better. It's like doesn't have fives as much or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean... It's not like he's going to run really it. Early. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's going to be a blast to watch. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. We'll have that to talk about tomorrow. Best tournament of the year. Good luck, grinders. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they invest all this money really well. Uh, into Bitcoin. What would you suggest? <laughs> um, I saw that there's this guy on Instagram. Um, nice. He's got like pictures in front of like Ferraris and Lamborghinis. <laughs> oh, I and seen stuff. that. You're talking about the guy dusting the closer. Oh, the closer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard closer. he can like quadruple your money and like. It's gonna hundred x, but it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wesley's invested with him. Uh, oh, okay. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, second actually. I saw that in uh, in the like flip and go. Yeah, flip and go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Big shout out to Dr. Hash, Mr. Wesley, super pro himself. Tournament player. Uh, now a tournament player. Almost an uh, investor in Dustin the Closer. <laughs> that is fact. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for our friend of the show, Ethan Rampage. <laughs> Ethan Rampage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's rampaged himself <laughs> in this one. Uh, look, I, I, I'm going to make a plea. To the, empty this, chair, to the empty chair. This is specifically to Ethan. Yes. Uh, but to all you young up-and-comers who have way too much goddamn money, <laughs> please, 
get yourself somebody who's been around to ask questions to and don't be embarrassed to ask them the most if you if you feel any ounce of shame in asking somebody who's been in the game for a longer period of time than you have the question that you're about to ask just know that what you're doing is stupid it's <laughs> so stupid it's going to end so poorly and that is going to be the best thing that you have as a filtering system as to whether or not these decisions are worth it look I've been in Ethan's situation. You come into a bunch of money. You know you do, you're not supposed to let it sit around. That's not the right way to make mo your money work for you. You know? Yeah, you got a contract signed, but what can you do? It's useless. It's going to be... I mean, he's going to sue him, but sue him for what? You he know? wants to bear knuckle box him, and if Ethan loses, he's <laughs> scot-free. I mean, that's at least going to be getting a little bit of your money's worth, I guess. Like, I have... I have a list of a handful of these. Telephone boxing. Yeah. I'll take Ethan in this bet. I mean, this is this is kind of gangster. I like how they just decide it's over. Like, up, oh, he's he's lit. Well, the difference between that and Ethan's uh, stipulations is that the other guy gets knocked out. Like round three, they still go for two more rounds. Mm. So he's upset. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it seems he's as though he's a little upset. Look, I have I have money out on the streets that I'll never see again, and they were framed in a similar capacity to F this. In the like, chat for your money. Like, hey, loan me twenty five k at you know ten points. APR and I'll also throw in 1% equity uh, in this restaurant. For what it's worth, I never said anything like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not collecting any fucking interest from Conrad. <laughs> well, wait, someone gave you 1% in a restaurant? I mean, this is like, so honestly, like n the number one way that poker players dust in <laughs> investing is in restaurants. 100%. Yeah. I did it. Dan O'Brien did it. It's the uh, worst like investment. everybody I know invested in a pokey spot or a fast food joint or Wait, was, really? Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. They always go under. Yeah. Restaurant businesses are fucking useless. Scam. I think there, it's 80% within 2 years. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. There think was, how fast they turn around, especially those like those little chains. Spots. Yeah. yeah, those little, yeah the only chain sure. that I hear is doing well from the poker player investment side is like Black Sheep Coffee. Uh I don't know anything about it, but yeah, yeah sure. It's a coffee chain, it's doing well. <laughs> no, no, some people that have some pieces in that. Yeah, there was a there was a big group from from the Ivy's Room game that started a restaurant called Nine Hundred Two One Fo. Sure, it's it's under. Didn't Man, uh, with a name like that. I know. How did it not God. make it? Who was who was like the legend that played online cash? that started a restaurant. Um, no they were idea. twins. Oh, oh, the um, oh, oh God, uh, yeah. They, they were heads up guys, uh, Dong. Yes. Yeah. The Dong brothers. Yeah, they have a restaurant. Yeah, in Seattle. They're doing well. Okay. But they're like really big. Like, they I would, would do I, some shit. Would, there was would, a whole thing on that. Look, I would just invest in anything the Dong brothers were doing. Mm -hmm. Period. Like, that's what it really comes down to is who is the person that you're investing in. Right. Right. Look at Todd Brunton, right? His Roma Deli is doing really well. Yeah. And, you know, there are some people great, that yeah. are just going to be successes. And like, sure, maybe you miss on their first attempt and they, they fail, but like they're, they're going to circle back and come around. Like, you know, the, these guys that like myself, Dan, others have like thrown a little bit of money at. It's all a bunch of empty promises that sound way too good to be true. Or like pictures on like a plane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're just <laughs> they're like pictures with like money in front of them. Like, uh, right. 
Well, no, it's not that. It's just like the way that they organize the deal and write up the contract. It's like you're getting way too many perks for what you're offering. Guys, you guys are talking about Alan Barry the goat, okay? Alan Barry, of course, he's going to do well. He's Alan, just the I would have invested in too. He's yeah. just the best. He didn't, right. he didn't need an investment. That's how fucking rich he is. Anybody <laughs> that calls Berkey on a weekly basis just to tell him about himself, it's just he's absolutely <laughs> the best human being in the world. Like, honestly, what do these rec- um, phone calls have to be recorded? I, I'm worried about Alan, actually. I haven't heard from him in like six months. I think he stopped consuming poker content. And for that, mm. I it's a huge loss to the community. <laughs> So he's not seeing this right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, nobody watches more poker shit than Alan Barry. That, that is for sure true. For someone who's left the game. <clears throat> Gone. Gone forever. But, man, he loves it. Where did he go? He went into the restaurant, restaurant business. Yeah. yeah. He has he, a cooking, cooking class. It's, it's a school. It's, it's like a, school, a cooking right. class. Yes. It's awesome. Like, it's such a genius idea. He became master chef? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do any of the cooking. He just built the business. But uh, mm-hmm. it's basically like a place you would take, like, date nights. Like, have you ever gone? Well, you never have. You're too young. But, like, those, oh, those like, painting parties. Uh, those like painting yeah. parties, you know, you take your girl and I know of these. Like you, you go, there, you right go they, there's chefs there. They t- actually, I actually went to Ellen Barry's, M- Michelle and I went. It was, oh, it was you great. Went to it. Yeah, it was great. You go and then, uh, you, they plan out a whole meal for you. They teach you how to like the different techniques of, you know, like, uh, you know, chopping and, and learning different chopping techniques. Celery. Yeah. Le- learning different techniques on how to cook and then you cook a whole meal and then you eat it together. It's Use great. promo code tortoise for twenty percent off the <laughs> Hudson table. Shout out to Hudson table. Ah, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See. In Hoboken, New Jersey. There's one in Hoboken, there's one in Philly now. He's got a franchise. I think he has another one in Jersey somewhere that I'm wow. not aware of. He's franchising. He has at least two two locations, maybe three. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's doing really well. But yeah, it's like, okay, the Dong brothers I'd invest in anybody, but like you know, I remember Dan invested in a pokey spot and it was under within like three weeks. <laughs> no it was way. good though. I, I went there a couple it, times. It, I don't even know if they got through the grand opening. <laughs> it wasn't mm-hmm. gonna it didn't a hundred X? It did not a hundred X. And it's like that's the thing. It's uh, you know, the, the the promises that get made where it's like, okay, this isn't even an investment, we're just borrowing the money and we're gonna pay it back with interest and we're gonna give you a piece of equity. So it's like you're fucking dead. Your money is gone. You're like, yeah, this seems like you're giving up a lot for not very yeah, much. You'll never see it again. It's always like it's always, I mean, not in Rampage's scenario here, but like generally it's going to be in some bustling new market, right? Like before, right before marijuana got legalized, everybody was trying to pitch cannabis locations. Like, oh, I got the ground floor. I'm going to be able to get legalization before everybody else. Like I have the licenses, yada, yada, yada. And people just fucking torched so much money. Because that's never going to be the way that the market enters. It's like either you succeeded or you failed miserably, and most people failed miserably. Everybody failed miserably because the way a market like that is going to open is the people who were lobbying the hardest are going to be the ones who get the licenses, and those are going to be the fucking billionaires like Wrigley, who came in and just like bought up every fucking cannabis shop in in uh, all of Nevada. It's the generational wealth money. Yeah, I mean that's just the way any new market is going to tend to trend. The GW attack. You know, the mom and pop shops aren't the ones that get it off the ground. We'll be seeing you. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong. There were a handful of people who did really fucking well because they did have an established mom and pop shop and they had a way to get in. Few and far between. But they're just legitimized. And, and you know, they're generally not going to have a difficult time raising funding. So they're not going to hit up some random poker player yeah. who just happened to come into a seven-figure score. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, hey, where can I find money? Oh, this poker player just won money. He's right. probably looking for somewhere to put it. Right. And I, I, feel a so, I feel so fortunate for the times that we were coming up compared to, like now especially like ethan right his entire career has been in the spotlight i mean ethan went mm-hmm. from one three to one k two k in like two years right but it's not even it's I not rollers. even about his rise right it's it's about the fact that he's been out there 
in the open from day one. Yeah, he's been public. He was right. playing. He was showing hand history since one three, and people were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Apparently, Everything's out there. Apparently, um, Dustin never promised an investment though. It was just a loan with interest. Well, no, but the interest was insane. Yeah, it was given like twenty k, a free twenty nine k per month or something. Yeah, it's over five months. So he was basically offering him an extra. 150k yeah. so we borrowed what 450 yeah okay so he's paying 33 percent like, like this yeah. is this is a payday loan type of fucking scheme and it's like that that should make you pause for concern if if somebody's offering you that much free money you should immediately just say like if they can afford to give me that much free money why do they need this loan right oh my god this picture <laughs> yeah it i mean it's so simple but it's always the when it, if it's too good to be true it probably of is course of course of and, and that's why i'm saying like i feel a little bad for ethan because his entire life has been in the public on social media so this isn't there the, there may not be as many red flags to him to have this sort of exchange over ig or something like that you feel bad for ethan Ethan lent this guy 450. Then me, Landon, and Jamie texted him, all as friends of his, asked him to borrow 400 each. He said no. What? He, he said fucking no. gave Dustin the closer 450 and he wouldn't give his friends 400. Yeah. He and said no to bad? you. That is fucked up. He said yes to me. He said <laughs> anything for a friend. Uh, I mean, did, said, did, you promise, this. did you promise him 33% interest? I didn't even promise him anything. He just said he'd help me out as a friend. <laughs> I'd pay him back. Good on him, yeah. man. But yeah, like, you know, these exchanges probably don't draw the same scrutiny for, for him as it would for, like, me. You know what I mean? Because, like, we didn't grow up this way. Yeah. When, when I first started dabbling in the internet, everybody who contacted me, I was sus of. Mm -hmm. And I still feel that way. Yeah. Somebody just randomly slides in my DMs. It's like, what are you trying to scheme me out of? <laughs> you know, we grew, up, we grew up during the time frame of the, the, the fucking Indian lottery or, or whatever the hell was being constantly sent through email where it's like the prince it was uh, yeah, some, the, uh, some, the prince of serbia or whatever some yeah what was that? i forget what it was yeah where you know you mm -hmm. all you have to do is give your social security that number was always like and, the yeah. nigerian prince yeah, nigerian. Nigerian. <laughs> thank you landon yes. always up on your pop culture look uh, i know everything but yeah when it comes like, to the internet you know we we went through that cycle and it's not that ethan wasn't around it's just he was younger and you know you think that things evolve in front of you i'm not trying to let him off the hook here what he did was insanely stupid yeah i mean i i can understand where it's coming from from the sense of having the contract written up was like okay if i'm gonna do this we're gonna have something in writing but if the other guy is very aware that if he has no money and it's done in writing you don't get anything right you just have this piece of paper that means nothing exactly mm -hmm. exactly and, and that, that's that, that's a really valid point to make right because the core of this is that ethan was too liquid and he wanted to make his money work for him. TMM, too much money. Yeah. So he wanted to make his money work for him. He's offered a situation where he's getting way more in return than what he feels the risk is worth. But the reason for high interest loans is because the risk is incredibly high. So having the contract, you know, I imagine this is Ethan's first major loan. And, you know, the first time he had a contract written for a stranger or whatever, he probably didn't go that deep into the due diligence of like, well, what happens if he defaults? Right. Where basic one, two, three is I want to make my money work for me. I'm going to make a contract. The contract is going to uphold the law. Right. Where in reality, it's like, well, this actually doesn't mean what this thing does not mean what you think it means. Exactly. <laughs> He's got a Tinder swindler on his hands. And now, like, God bless, I hope he's able to fucking sue the shit out of this guy and recoup anything. But, like, how, yeah. 
but I like mean, in good faith couldn't dustin just sell one of his lamborghinis and you would just, think you, know, <laughs> you would him, think you know if he actually payment. cared to pay him back you would think that maybe he could sell one of his <laughs> rented lamborghinis yeah. but uh, uh okay. i would imagine those pictures are a bit fugazi yeah there might be okay. another uh contract on the line for those lambos <laughs> I tried to get on his IG yesterday, and then when the news first broke, it was still public, and then is gone now. Yeah. What? His Instagram is gone? It's private. Mm. Oh, Shocker. Man. I'm shocked. He done closed it. Dustin, the Instagram <laughs> closed, closed it. Right. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm just very, I, I feel a certain sense of responsibility because I like Ethan. He's always been uh, a, a good friend of the show and somebody that... You know, we personally have seen come from the the, the small one three shooting. When he first did poker out loud for us, he was still playing like one three. It was before he won his bracelet. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> so it's before like before he won the Venetian. Yeah, yeah. So it was like literally before all this success, we saw something in this kid, and like since then, I think we've all become pretty good friends. I feel a certain sense of responsibility as an elder statesman in this yeah. community to have been able to like just grab him by the shoulders and say, "Don't do this." Like, yeah. But like, you know, it was one of those things that he probably didn't tell anybody about. Yeah. It seems like one of those things where you kind of want to keep it to yourself. That like, is the first indication that what you're doing is wrong. Right. Yeah. For sure. It's like if you want to tell your if because if you if you probably told like his family about it, they'd probably be like Let's let's look at it first. When I was getting catfished in college, I knew I was getting catfished because I wouldn't tell anybody about it. I was it's sure. kind of a good metric, right? Hundred percent. Something's probably a bad uh, idea if you don't talk to somebody about it. Hundred percent. And I, I justified it in my head. It was like, oh, well, this is uh, this is a free roll because I'm investing nothing into this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm putting very little time, energy, or effort into it. Uh, and maybe this girl ends up being this smoke show that she claims she is. But the truth of the matter is, I was investing time, energy, and you know whatever uh, whatever else into it, yeah. and it was a hundred percent obvious I was being catfished to anybody. <laughs> and like, I, it was ninety percent in my mind yeah. I was being catfished. Sometimes but the ten percent free roll was worth it. You just want to see where the story goes. The story was. You just did it for the plot. It. it was a canon event. It, yes, yes. <laughs> Everything was building up to this podcast. Yep. It was all just to have tales to tell. Everything is just for you to snap your fingers at the camera and just be like, that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That is exactly how it goes. Uh, but yeah, so it looks like Dustin also tried to get uh, Wesley. He added on to... <laughs> he tried to get, he did try to get Wesley. <laughs> yeah. He added on to the Rampage thread uh, some long DMs. <laughs> Um, which I couldn't even really follow. It looked like Dustin was in some sort of business of getting people verified on Instagram, which by the way, that is always <laughs> a clear oh, indication. the essay? Yeah. The essay is always a red flag. The essay is a red flag. Also, just like I can get you verified on Instagram is always a red flag. They're always charging like some absorbent amount of money. It's like 8,500 bucks. Yeah. Where it's like, if, if, if you as a regular person can get me verified, then me as the person who owns the account should be able to get me verified too. The best part about this is Wesley's like one word responses and just seeing essays just come flying in. Yeah, right. Okay, how much help for this? Aha! <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you know what? Let me just keep asking questions and then I'll stop talking at some point. You, you interested, bro? It's an easy and a favor for me, but guaranteed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I won't waste your time. It's just an opportunity. What do you think? What do you think, bro? What do you think? Huh? 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, how did he uh, get huh? Wesley's name in bold? He just like typed it in. It's like, hey, Wesley. Oh, he probably added him. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll pay you 250K in three. I mean, honestly, like. <laughs> he just wrote, aha. Uh -huh. 
Go on. It just speaks to... <laughs> it just speaks to the different ways... Uh, like, new wealth is so different than old wealth, right? Like, uh, old wealth at, being like oil money or whatever? Well, no. Uh, I, I Yes, traditionally what you're saying is true, but I'm saying people who just freshly came into money versus people who have established and had wealth like for some time. Creating money versus just being stumbled into. Right, yeah. Like, like Rampage just came into a big score. Like Wesley, you know, seems to be uh, off the back end of getting crypto rich, and he's out here flaunting cash everywhere right. that he possibly like crypto can. rich, but been in the scene for a while. And everybody just, like, sees this and says, target, mm -hmm. right? Whereas, like, somebody like Dan Bilzerian, nobody's trying to scam. I mean, I'm sure he has... Or if they his, are, like, you're not going to reach him. Right. I'm, I'm, you're not yeah, accessible. He's, he's unreachable. He's inaccessible. And, you know, that, that is just taking it to the level of Instagram influencer. If you actually go to real wealth, like a Bobby Baldwin type or some exec who has hundreds of millions just laying around... Yeah. Nobody's fucking scamming it, these guys. It ain't gonna work. The people scamming them are friends and family that they're just willing to help. Yeah, which yeah, like, you need hey, to get need access more than anything. Yeah, else, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing is like people who are fresh into accruing wealth are way too accessible. Correct. Because they were just a regular person who didn't have a lot. Not that. Right. Not that it's long like ago. have no money now. Have money. Here's an opportunity for you. Right. Where if people that have infinite beforehand, it's like, what do I need you for? Honestly, it's it truly. I I think that like our teachers fucked us up, but the whole notion <laughs> of like you know, make your money work for you, don't work for your money kind of mm -hmm. thing. It, it, it plants a seed in your head. And whenever you first come into cash, you're just like, how can I deploy this? Right. Yeah. And you're not prepared. You, you are not. This is why most people say like, get a house, right? Like real estate. I, I mean, you can get 5% on government bonds right now. The same. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's but it's going right? to 5%, yeah. but it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. but you're locked <laughs> up, right? Uh, for a, a year. Okay. I think that's the thing, though. Terrible, it's but, like yeah. when it comes to the whole making money work for you, moonshot esque type of stuff. The not flashy stuff doesn't really appeal. That's the biggest problem. The problem. Is that we grew up? We grew up from one of the greatest generations when it came to accruing wealth, right? So they're very conservative. They take your three percent in telling you how to invest because they had infinite opportunities to just find three to fifteen percent. And just invest, whether it was the uh, whether it was the market or uh, savings or stocks and bonds, CDs, everything was just booming <laughs> for yeah. our parents. And right? now so it's just the moonshot. Like for if us, you don't get rich, for us in your generation, we grew down. up in the internet boom. So like we had the hundred X's and the thousand X's. We saw the People dot saw com era come through, and now the tech crypto. boom. People got rich off of Dogecoin. Yeah, it's just like there have been so many opportunities to hundred X or go broke. So we're in a high risk, high reward uh, type of climate where right. our parents were in a very low risk, high reward type of climate. Yeah. It's or like low do, risk, moderate. You reward do this type over thirty years, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to retire. Right well, now, I'm, it's like I'm trying to retire at twenty five. I'm forty one, and I've had wealth for at least half of my adulthood or close to it right and i still don't have great grasps under how i can securely grow my wealth without putting up much risk right mm -hmm. but you just always because, been in high risk environments as well. well it's it's more so that like liquidity is just worth so much as a professional poker player who has access to big games exactly, sure yeah. and making three percent sounds nice but it doesn't rival my ROI on just having the liquidity and playing. Yep. And that's always been a difficult situation to juggle. Well, the reason yeah. you're making money work for you is because you're taking pieces of yourself in high stakes cash games. 
to some degree. So it's yeah. kind of like that in between full circle loop of you work for your money, your money works for you. Where if someone has like a stable income and can make the three percent year over year, it's like I'm gonna work for my job and my money's gonna work for me. Well, that's in that's, this that's own the thing, cycle. right? I could I could alternatively not keep a bunch of money on hand, put it into stocks, uh, put it into like a government bond, earn five percent, right? So say I just take like a million throw it in a government bond, earn 5% on that. That's doing pretty well, 50K a year. Man, I remember that, that book. There's like a book of like what you do with a million dollars. And they said to do something like that. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> that's 50K and you could reasonably, I mean. You live off the interest. You could kind of live off the interest, right? But alternatively, that would mean that I now liquidated myself and I'm probably playing like 510 or 1020. Yeah, because so your now, money's tied up elsewhere. Right, so now my expectation is maybe 10 to 20% annually what it would be if I was playing high stakes. There is much more gamble, but with no gamble, there's no future. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, do you want high risk, moderate reward or, or moderate risk, moderate reward or low risk, low reward? And the issue is, is that when you're still in your earning phase, you have to up your risk. But, yeah. you know, you're supposed to find ways to diversify, right? Right. So I don't need to exaggerate <laughs> this and take a whole million. I should instead take like 100K. But then it's like making 5K, right. 5K well, annually. Well, Who like, gives a shit? Well, that's the thing. Is you Just get take 100K and put it in crypto and hope that you, you catch a fucking spike. <laughs> well, like at some yeah. point when it comes to your working career, and this is probably different than other normal industries, is that you can kind of play for as long as you want. So like how different... Sort of. well, the thing is for you, like if you put 100K away and you make 5K a year, it's like how different is that versus just having it? You can just exactly. make 5K. Yes, exactly, you exactly. can just make 5K pretty easily, where like most Agreed. people in other industries can't. Agreed. Right. It's it's more so about like just de-risking. Like we were talking about this a little bit when Barbara was here. I wish he was here for this conversation because he would he would have been great for it. Unfortunately, he was still, or, or fortunately for him, he's still in the horse. Um, but it, it's about diversifying in a way where you start to create a little bit of a security blanket, and you just de-risk yourself. But the problem is, is like maybe that comes at the cost of me having only 80% of myself in a game instead of 100, right? Well, that's what... Well, I mean, we kind of have this conversation on the whole, like, broke versus functionally broke, right? Where, like, in the sense, like, your case, like, you leave yourself to be able to exist. Yep. You're not broke. Functionally broke and broke are two different things. I mean, it would be, knock on wood, hard for me to go broke. Right. But it'd be very, easily for, it'd be very easy for me to go illiquid. Mm -hmm. Going illiquid is no no problem. <laughs> Going illiquid is just yeah. a downswing. A couple bad sessions. Yeah, and, we'd be gambling. And that's yeah. that's that's the trouble. I, I had a lot of assets a year ago and liquefying them was uh very taxing. Annoying. <laughs> it's not annoying, it's taxing. And and you don't want to do it. Mm. So for that reason, there's a hesitation to then get back into a bunch of assets when you're in a money intensive industry. Right, so finding that sweet spot is very, very hard. It was easier pre-pandemic because everything was up. We were in a booming type of economy, and you didn't need as much cash on hand up because the borrowing power was much greater. Right, everybody was liquid. Mm -hmm. But now, when cash is king, and people aren't nearly as liquid, so basically, when you need the cash, everyone's going to be illiquid. Right, and that's a problem because now you don't have buyers, and getting rid of assets becomes a little bit trickier. That's why the sharp poker players move money on the margins. Kind of, yeah. It's like, oh, if people need cash, okay, I'm selling at 3%. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's, that's a market and everything else, but, like, it's gray as fuck, and you're putting yourself in some harm's way there, I think. 
Um, or you I'd could ra- just rather... give money to like Dustin the closer. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I would rather just always operate in that sphere, like as a as a bartering system where it's like I do you favors, you do me favors. We don't clip each other for pieces yeah. along the way. But you know, you have to have a network in order to do that. Anyway, uh, I hope everything works out for Ethan. I, I do think this is a big cautionary tale for everybody. I'm glad he went public because this stuff stays under the wraps way too often. It's tough too. You got to give props. Like it's so hard to go public with somebody. This was like, yeah, I fucked up really bad guys. Cause Agreed. people are going to try to dunk on you. Especially for that amount. Like he's going to get trolled way more than he's going to get celebrated. It's yeah. not like it was 45 K. Like I said, I have a lot of 25 K chunks out there gone that I'm not going to see. And they were probably low probability for me to get paid back anyway. But but maybe that pizza shop's doing great. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's like that was my level of risk tolerance. And I might I might have had the same amount of money that Rampage had whenever he fired off 450. So like this is a really critical cautionary tale. The great news is the kid's young, he's talented, his earning potential is very high. Right. He'll be all right, just bank another 25k. The bad news is he's probably not gonna recoup that 450. Probably not. So to everybody who's Spencer young, lesson. yeah, to everybody who's young yeah. and coming up, get yourself somebody who's a little bit older, a little bit wiser. Find you an Andrew Barber out there. That's what you're here for, man. That's not what I'm here for. I'm just here to promote the other people who can guide you in the right direction. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back tomorrow uh, evening, actually, uh, as I have my final game for the summer. We'll do a summer <laughs> wrap up, a main event uh, wrap up as they're going to conclude tonight. And we will also have Gordo on. I uh, got to square away the time with him, but we're going to try to have Gordo on uh, to talk about what's been happening at the Bellagio with his box situation and what the resolution of that was. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back 7 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. <laughs> that is the opposite of the Ethan situation. That is. That is indeed. Uh, we'll see you guys all done. Later, squad. Hey.